Hello and welcome to the Adopt365 podcast. Today we're talking all about the future of work, hybrid work, community and culture with inside your organisation. As we head into a phase of hybrid working, following the lockdowns of the last 12 months, we've got to consider what does the future look like? Um, many people, many organisations are considering changing the way that they work, uh, introducing flexible working practices in ways that they hadn't even really started to consider before the lockdown started to occur. We've got to ultimately decide how people can choose the best way, the best place to work on a specific activity. And we've got this real challenge on how do we keep everybody communicating, informed? How do we grow culture in the digital world? In today's podcast, we will be discussing the future of work and how organizations and technology can help deliver the choice whilst helping maintain and grow a sense of community and culture. I would like to welcome my co-hosts uh, to the podcast. Uh, so first of all, Anthony Charman. Hi there, Barry. Um, I'm Anthony Charman and uh, I work alongside Barry uh, in the Microsoft team at Computer World, just really working with our clients and uh, you know, organisations to help them get the best out of the Microsoft 365 ecosystem. And the Adopt 365 podcast wouldn't be possible without Megan Warren. Hi everyone, I'm Megan. Um, I'm an Office 365 coach, so I work with um, our clients and the users within clients to show them the technology and show them what is possible uh, within the Office 365 suite. And it's fantastic to have the first guest to join us live on the podcast. Uh, we've got Michelle Bowman from Microsoft. Anyone that follows him on LinkedIn, any other social media platforms, YouTube, will know uh, the fantastic content he creates, how he helps keep people informed. Michelle, it's great to have you uh, on the podcast. For those that don't know you, do you want to introduce yourself, your role at Microsoft, and a little bit more behind your passion for Microsoft 365? Sure. So let me start by saying thank you. I wasn't aware that I was the uh, first guest on the uh, on the on the show, and thank you so much for the compliment. So my name is indeed Michel Bauman. I work for Microsoft in uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, the official title is uh, uh, Territory Channel Manager for Modern Work. Uh, what that means is I look at the trends that we see in the market around work and modern work, and I try to find out what our partners are building to fill in those needs and those trends from our customers and then connect those two, uh, those two worlds. And you wouldn't be surprised that the last 14 months, most of my time has gone into, into micro, Microsoft Teams. In regards to what I like most about this is I know what the impact of technology can be, not only from a productivity perspective, but also from a work-life balance perspective or harmony perspective, well-being perspective. And, and that's kind of the, the information that I would like to share with as many people as I can. So I'm not trying to be selfish with the knowledge that I have. I try to share as much because I know technology is saving me at least an hour a day. And that's something that I want for everybody. Fantastic. That's brilliant to hear. And, and once again, thank you for joining us. Before we get started to the main subject today, all around uh, future of work, we like to kind of just use this position in the podcast to just kind of reflect on the biggest new feature that we've seen come out, something that's hit the roadmap, or just something that maybe we're talking to customers about a lot at the moment due for some reason. Um, so, uh, Michelle, to you, first of all, is there something that is just hit uh, public at the moment, or maybe something that's on roadmap that you're really excited about and just wanted to kind of give a, a short statement as to, to what that uh, feature or functionality was? I think a couple of things. Uh, one, what I like really much is version two of Breakout Rooms. I think that's super exciting. I cannot wait for us to, to ship that. 
I like what we're going to be doing with webinars, which is uh, going to be releasing uh, really soon. So you'll be able to uh, to host webinars right into Teams from end to end, so all the way from registration up to following up. Uh, that's what I'm super excited about. And something that hasn't been really talked about a lot is uh, is Teams Connect, which allows you to be yeah. part of different tenants without having or teams in different tenants without having to switch between those tenants. Uh, might be the nerdiest feature, but it's something that uh, that that I think will have a big impact of for those that work on uh, on different tenants. Definitely, I, I know all of us at Computer World who are dealing with multiple customers' tenants can't wait for that to come. It's uh, that moment when you see a notification pop up and then you realise you've got to swap tenants to go and get to it. it. It's it's just all a bit complicated at the moment. It's great to see that coming back together. Uh, Megan, what what is the the latest feature or, or uh, functionality that you've been uh, looking at or excited to see? Uh, so I'm excited to see the meeting experiences changing. Um, when I log in in the morning, there always seems to be a new uh, sort of experience each week. Um, so currently, um, when I'm sharing my screen, it's coming up with a different experience. It's coming up with PowerPoint Live now. I haven't yet got the feature where you can have the presenter mode where you can be in front of the PowerPoint yet, but that's coming. So I'm really excited about that. But it's just the meeting experience is becoming more intuitive to this world that we are moving into so i'm sure we're going to speak about meeting experiences in the uh future uh in this podcast brilliant thank you very much megan yeah certainly very exciting and uh, as you say it's uh, it, it's kind of just trying to get the most out of communicating and collaborating in this remote fashion while we can't be together or in the future when when we may choose not to be uh, anthony what's your feature or functionality so one of the things, uh, one of the joys of being a, uh, a Microsoft business consultant is not only do I get to work with our, all our clients, but uh, I get dumped on for our internal projects. And one of the key things that you need to do with uh, within the Microsoft 365 environment is to get your data into the cloud to really unlock the, op the possibilities of communication and collaboration around that data. So the tool that I've chosen to talk about is the Microsoft um, SharePoint migration tool. Um, I did all the hard work of mapping our existing on-premises uh, data stores into where I wanted them in the cloud to be either SharePoint databases or attached to Teams. Um, and then I thought, well, where do I find a tool to do that? And uh, uh, I found the Microsoft SharePoint um, migration tool uh, and was able to uh, transition all of our data from our internal data center um, across into the cloud over a weekend. Uh, a very simple tool to use, can take stuff from existing SharePoint servers on-premise or uh, from existing file shares and put them in the right place. Uh, and one of the great things I was able to do was to leave behind uh, a legacy of uh, yeah, years and years of data that uh, we're never gonna use uh, as part of that process. So uh, yeah, great little tool. A lot of people don't know it's there. Uh, there are other tools which uh, we'll use for bigger migrations, um, things like uh, ShareGate. Um, but that tool worked really well for me. And uh, yeah, it was a joy to use and uh, got a, 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 a project that I've been putting off for a long time sorted over a weekend. So that was uh, my choice. Definitely. I think it's a really important part on this transformation. Lots of people have got teams. It was that kind of very reactive thing that happened when lockdown occurred, but still reliant on their VPNs, connecting back to the file servers in the office to be able to get that there. So time to update that experience. Um, and very briefly from my side, um, I, I want to talk about Viva Connections. That's dropped in our tenant. It's dropped in all our customers' tenant. It may seem a very simple thing. You've got your SharePoint home site now available in Microsoft Teams, but this is around the, the wider piece of um, Outlook 
communication, your organization talking to everyone, keeping everyone informed. So I spent a lot of time talking to customers about this, maybe rethinking what is on their SharePoint intranet, making use of the vertical bar that is now also available in there to get the news right up to the top while still having it as attractive as possible. So Viva, and, Viva Connections initial release isn't doing much more than putting SharePoint into Teams at the moment, but I'm really excited to see just where that can go in the future. So onwards and upwards with the podcast, let's get on to the main subject. Um, let's talk all about what the future of work is. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, Michelle, What in, in a paragraph, what does the future of work mean to you? For me, it's uh, uh, not going back to the office. That's one. So, so 80% of business leaders are saying there's going to be some form of a uh, work from home policy soon in our company. Uh, people at, at home seem to really be enjoying the fact that they can be their whole self, dress the way they want to dress. Uh, I revealed a little bit earlier that I'm sitting here in shorts and I couldn't imagine uh, doing a session like this in shorts uh, 14 months ago. Right? So I, I don't think we'll all be going back into, uh, in, into the office. I think we also need to think about how do we make sure that everybody continues to be engaged during uh, during meetings specifically, and how do we make sure that we that we continue to expand our internal network to continue to drive innovation? Definitely, yeah, no, I'm with you. And uh, Megan and I have certainly commented on your T-shirt. For those listening on the podcast, you won't be able to see it, but uh, what's the slogan on your T-shirt, uh, Michelle? Yeah, it says you're on mute. I think that's one of the phrases that we heard the most the last the 14 years. It was either that or uh, can you see my screen? I like that one a lot as well. So it was either one of those two. Definitely, definitely. So Megan, what, what does the future of work mean uh, mean for you? Uh, I think it's all about choice. I think um, before this world that we're currently living in with uh, COVID and lockdown and restrictions was in place, there wasn't much choice for the employees um, in a lot of places to be able to work from home. I think when we had our um, customer forum before this, someone was saying that you almost had to um, explain and have a reason as to why you're working from home and really um, show that you were getting value from that. Obviously, we then moved into this and everyone had to work from home. So there was no choice of going into the office. I think for me, it's then making that choice for yourself. Um, you can be at home if you want to be at home. You can be in the office. There are people who want to be in the office. And it's having that choice um, of where you want to be, because ultimately, we've proven in this world that everyone can get the work done no matter where they are, what device they're working on, whether they're in their dining room. Um, or whether their dog's running around their feet um, as usual, which mine is at the moment. So, yeah, I think it's all about choice moving forward. Definitely. And, and Anthony, what's uh, what's your opinion on the future of work? Well, it's more of a concern that I have about um, the effect that this kind of home working has had on innovation. Um, I've worked for Computer World for over 10 years now, and uh, Computer World's office is 100 miles north of uh, of where I live. Um, and I've kind of worked in a hybrid fashion for, for, for all of that time in that I'll be in the office on a Monday and usually a Thursday um, and then work from home uh, and from clients the rest of the time. But what I miss most of all is that innovation, those moments that where we can all, you know, stand, grab a few people and stand in front of a whiteboard um, and just, uh, you know, share some ideas. When we're working from home, there's a kind of inertia, there's kind of barrier almost to start those conversations. Um, and, you know, I, I know when we've been stood in the tech office and Barry will get his whiteboard uh, pen out um, and we'll start talking about something and other people will see what we're doing and they'll come around and join in. Um, so that's really my concern about this new kind of hybrid 
environment and the effect that it's uh, having on innovation in our organizations. That's really interesting. Now, I suppose from my perspective, um, uh, what, what I want to share isn't it isn't a concern. I see it as being an opportunity, an opportunity to be able to kind of rethink something, to redo something. But I'm completely with you. Um, and, and for me, it's all around connection, communication and community. Um, when you work for an organization, you can find out who is, for me, who's into motorsport, who watched the F1 at the weekend. I, Who's into football? I'd, I'd probably be avoiding that conversation. Um, who, who likes, uh, who's got pets, who's been cooking at the weekend? And it's those kind of things. It's that sense of connection with individuals over and above the work, over and above, oh, I need to speak to Anthony because we've got to get this job done kind of thing. It, it's kind of how can we kind of have a feeling of what does it feel like to work for our organization when we don't necessarily meet people, when we don't walk through the doors of very nice offices with um, uh, free muffins as you come through the door and cokes in the cabinet kind of thing. This is with me sat at my desk here. How can I feel more connected? How can I feel a sense of community inside my organization? And I see this as being the massive opportunity and obviously the well-being effect that can go with that people generally take a lot from that human connection kind of thing. And it's our challenge as technologists to be able to look for new and interesting uh, ways to, to do that. Um, I think, I, I think um, one of the things I realized sat here in my office in a little village in Devon is that there are probably hundreds of people around me in this village, in the locality who are doing similar things to me, um, who are the people I could be bouncing ideas off. And I just you know, wonder if there's mechanisms to enable that with local community hubs where people can go and work, um, where you've got that opportunity for that cross-organizational innovation, where you'll, you know, you say, oh, what are you doing today? And you know, people share things and there'll be that knowledge sharing at that level. But uh, that's just something yeah. that uh, I keep thinking of. That's it's how easy to feel, yeah, it's easy to feel quite lonely here, but then you realize that in the houses around me, there are people doing the same thing as me um, and uh, it would be worth arranging a mechanism to have some kind of conversation. That's kind of how we've set up our office in Microsoft in the Netherlands. So we've op we did a, a big refit, um, what was this, three or four years ago. And we decided to open up 75% of the office to, to just anybody that wanted to walk in. So what we're starting to see is that people from other companies and are starting to come into the office to work and exactly what you were referring to, Anthony, is, is starting to happen. So people are starting to share different ideas. I do think that in this in this hybrid world, for the lack of a better term, a lot of these things have to be more intentional, right? So we, and especially when it comes to the, the, the social aspect that you referred to, Barry, uh, you need to ensure also as a, as a people manager that you have time with your team to talk about something else other than work. Right, so what we like to do is we like to open up a uh, channel meeting in Teams that's open throughout the day. So whenever we're not on meetings, we can always go in there and we always know that somebody else is there as well. And we can either just talk or just watch each other work, which for some reason works, and, and make sure that we have that, that, that social aspect that we, that we don't have when we're all in the office, that we continue to have that. But I, I think it, it's, it needs to be more intentional. And it's something that we shouldn't forget about because it's very important. Yes, we are way more productive, right? So we can do eight hours of work. We can do that now in four or five hours. The question is, what are we doing with the other three? Are we working even more and harder, which I don't think we should, right? Because we have to think about the well-being perspective. Um, uh, or are we spending that in other ways to either be drive more of a learn-it-all culture where you learn new things 
I have, for example, my whole Friday is blocked just to learn new stuff. And sometimes it's around Teams, sometimes it's around SharePoint. Other times it might be around parenting, right? I'm a father of four. Uh, uh, my wife and I have 13-year-old twins, teenagers. Uh, and, and I constantly need to learn, want to learn how to be a better dad. That's what I'm using that time for as well. Uh, and I think we also, and I also make time to intentionally contact people just to talk about how are you doing today? Just that check-in. And I think that's something that we should not forget to continue to do. Definitely. I think it's um, I think that intention is really important. Um, thinking about what you want to achieve, what you need. Um, I think we we all probably need to kind of be in touch with with what we need, what we're feeling, what we're missing kind of thing. And um, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. Um, uh, but but certainly Microsoft have put in some of those ways into Microsoft Teams to allow you to reflect and, and to allow you to think about those kind of things. I wanted to kind of um, direct the conversation towards that community and culture piece of it. Obviously, we've seen quite a lot uh, towards the beginning uh, of the year around uh, Microsoft Viva. Indeed, we recorded a, a session on Microsoft Viva. But uh, Michelle, from your perspective, Microsoft Viva, community and culture, what, what, what do you think is, is important there or, or, or what do you think our listeners should be thinking around Microsoft Fever and, and those elements? So it's four different elements. It's, it's, around, it's around knowledge about having the right information without using the product names, having the right information, having data around well-being, and then the learning aspect. And those are the four pillars. So I think the, when you spoke about connections, uh, I think that's important in, in regards of having the right information at the right time. So yes, currently it's it's the it's the modern internet that you uh, that you get to see. Uh, soon you'll also be able to add tiles uh, to that page as well, and you can make it role specific, right? So if I'm, I can get a link to my rewards or scheduling free time, and I only get to see news messages that are re relevant for my role, uh, and we'll be able to connect the APIs that we have in connections and connect it to many. Uh, different other uh, uh, other applications. You can have all those applications when you need them, just in that one view. When we talk about the knowledge part, um, again, we spend a lot of time. We spend about twenty percent of our day just looking for the right information, and that's a waste of time, right? So, so what you'll have soon is you'll be able, and it's already available now, by the way. But you'll be able to, uh, if you would hover over a acronym as an example, you would immediately see what that acronym means without having to look for it, right? And then around well-being with, with FIFA Insights, um, I like the personal part. So you might be familiar with, with those that are listening with my analytics. So we're moving my analytics into, uh, into FIFA Insights. So you get insights around uh, your network, your working, after hours, um, uh, but also that check-in that you spoke about earlier, Barry, is how do you feel, right? So we're introducing this thing called the virtual commute. I hate it to be in traffic, right? I, and, and I must admit, I took the train quite a lot, but when I took the car, uh, I hate it to be in traffic, but I'm starting to miss it. Just those, those 25 minutes that it takes for me from going to the office to the house and the other way around, it's that moment when the brain can shut off or boot up and get ready for that next phase of the day. And that's what people are starting to miss. So we're gonna be introducing a thing that we call virtual commute, which which wraps up your day. So what tasks do you have that you don't wanna forget about tomorrow? You write that down so it frees up that, that RAM and memory in your brain uh, for other things. Um, uh, then we go into, uh, this is your calendar for, calendar for tomorrow, just to be aware. 
How are you feeling that check in? And, and for those that, that believe in meditation, and I certainly do, that moment of just listening to yourself and your body and thinking, okay, so how do I feel today is important. And then we'll offer uh, some form of meditation through, uh, through Headspace, which is the biggest online meditation platform just to do some breathing exercises and that is that new virtual commute which really separates your work from uh, from life and then we're also tying in workplace analytics into uh, into uh, FIFA insights so as a manager or business leader you can see what's happening in the teams obviously not on an on an individual level because that's all uh, privacy sensitive uh, but you'll be able to see when you spoke earlier about innovation uh, Anthony uh, how big are people's networks? How many people are doing after hours? So you can say, hey, we see the sales department and they're working way too much. This is something w where we can take action. So that's one. And then the last part is, uh, is the learning part where you can set up learning tracks by using not only uh, LinkedIn Learning, but also EDX and many other platforms that integrate directly into learning or your own learning tracks if you have them. Uh, so those are the four parts. And I think that's key when it comes to the uh, the employee experience. I think that's, um, sorry, go on, Anthony. Yeah, I was just gonna say uh, just a real practical thing. I, you know, anyone who's using Teams at the moment, just add the insights um, option to the left-hand bar um, and keep an eye on what's going on in there. Um, there's been new functionality popping up there all the time. I noticed there's a, uh, a kind of weekly praise reminder. So it's so easy to just work with people and, um, you know, and forget to say thank you for, for stuff. So uh, that, that enables you to set up a little schedule just to remind you to praise someone and you can send praise directly from there as a one-to-one -one message or as a Teams uh, message if it's to uh, someone who you want to be recognised in a wider group. But yeah, just add that what insights uh, tab to the left-hand side of your Teams client and uh, click it occasionally and see what's going on in there because there's some, uh, some good things coming and there's some good stuff already there. I think some good points there, um, Michelle, all around Aviva and, and some of the real standout things for me around this. A, it's the first of all that Microsoft are doing more than just technology, doing more than just connection. It's that well-being. But we've, since my analytics, it's been very clear that this is something that's important uh, to Microsoft. And um, the, the other one is connection with third-party solutions. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a great fan of Satya Mandela. You've got to read his book and you you can understand how he's leading your organization and some of the yeah. things that are being implemented. Um, but that kind of openness with Microsoft Teams, with now Viva Connections, with all of these kind of things, there is no assumption that the, that the answer will always be Microsoft. Well, you want to do this? Well, Microsoft's got a solution to that. It's actually, we realize we are part of an ecosystem. We want to not just accept that we're part of an ecosystem. We want to bring that ecosystem together. Um, and I think that's really good, especially with the learning, especially with uh, the other bits and pieces, connections and the cards and things like that you're going to be able to, to do in the future. I think that's really important to be able to have that um, from there. Then things like Microsoft uh, Viva Topics. Um, I really like the ability, as you say, with your SharePoint pages and coming into Teams that you can hover over it and see what's going on there. And people just need to think about what they want to be achieving with um, Viva Topics. I've, I've done a blog series on Viva Topics and it's very, very easy to enable Viva Topics. But if you just go and enable it and allow it to search everything, <laughs> It creates, it doesn't create a mess, it's very managed, but it doesn't create much value. You right. need to orchestrate it. You need a team of people that can go, actually, what is the purpose of Viva Topics in our organization? What are we trying to achieve? Where does the data reside across our organization that we're wishing to, to catalog and, 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 and get out to people? So I think that's really important. 
So um, the, the other side of this was uh, the community side of this. And, and I, I've been a long time fan of, of, of Yammer. Microsoft Teams has other ways of creating communities. Megan, well, have you got any specific thoughts around uh, community and, and what we need to be considering in the future of work? So um, obviously, community is one of the biggest things. And like we were saying, with some people working from home and some people in the office, driving that community that is um, all encompassing for everyone is super crucial at this time. And it's something that everyone's going to have to learn as they go, I feel. I think one of the things that we need to consider at the same time when we're talking about community is uh, the new people that are joining your organization. When they used to join your organization, they'd get a feel and a sense of that community when they came into the office for their interviews, when they join on their first day because everyone comes up and says hello. In this world that we're working in at the moment, when people are onboarding from home and they're already feeling slightly isolated in that sense and they're not confident enough to say hello to everybody, it's remembering to say hello to them, how we're driving that community from day one to show this is who we are, these are the people that you're going to be working with. And that's something I've been experiencing recently because I've had somebody join my team who's been onboarding from home. Um, so I suppose it's setting out what your culture is. I think a lot of organizations don't actually know what their culture is and they don't have that maybe documented anywhere or um, confirmed in any way. It's doing that part and documenting that and seeing what you want to drive and then putting the practices in place behind that to actually drive that community and that culture um, from day one to day whenever you're um, throughout the organization. That, that's two things that I like from a tool perspective. And, and, uh, and I would love to talk about culture as well and what, and what Satya did in our organization now and how I experienced this because I've, I've been in Microsoft for eight years and I think it was seven years ago when, when uh, Satya took over from, from, uh, from Steve Ballmer. Uh, two tools that we like to use from that community perspective, especially when it comes to new hires, is uh, using Power Automate, which used to be called Flow, to whenever somebody joins and new, is new on the team, they get a welcome message. And the welcome message says, hey, uh, uh, Megan, welcome to the team. Uh, uh, please feel welcome. This is a list of people that, that you can work with. This is a list of things that you can check out. And everybody, please schedule a, uh, a, a coffee with, uh, or virtual coffee with, with Megan. So that's one. The other one that I like is the icebreaker uh, bot in uh, Teams, so it's a it's a it's an uh, it's a uh, an app template that you can use, and every week the bot will recommend somebody to speak to, so they'll connect you to somebody just random in the organization, and they'll set up a virtual coffee for you two to connect. So that also drives again going back to the point earlier around innovation and how uh, the depth of your your internal network. Um, uh, that drives that as well. So now you get to know people from the other side of the organization that you normally wouldn't talk to and, and then bring in their experience and their knowledge to be able to leverage that going on and uh, going forward into your career within a company. So those are the two that I like a lot from a tooling perspective. I, I wasn't aware of, of the icebreaker one. Um, yes, I'm going to go one. speak to my uh, new recruit and say to her to start using it because that definitely sounds like something. Because like I said, everyone's so bogged down in their own work. It's hard to think, oh, Megan's had somebody join in her team. I should probably reach out and say hello because you're so focused mm -hmm. on your own work. Um, normally, you'd walk past their desk and say hello. So I'm definitely going to have a look at that after this uh, recording and see if yes. you can use that. Yeah, I think the, the one the one word that's kind of cropped up a few times today is just intentional. This you've got to 
you know almost plan to do these spontaneous things if that isn't a an oxymoron but uh, yeah that's why i like so much about the viva insights kind of praise reminder you know just just take a moment to think about someone who's helped you out this week and send them some uh, some praise give them some recognition uh, and I, I hadn't heard of that icebreaker bot but i think that's fantastic i think we need to uh, get that embedded in our culture because i'm aware we've had four or five maybe six people join computer world over the last six months and I've had very short, brief conversations with them, but I'm also aware that, that uh, you know, that there are people I've worked with for, you know, eight to 10 years um, who I probably haven't spoken to for the last 12 months. So, uh, yeah. yeah, sounds like And I like what plan. you're saying around, around praise, Anthony, as well. I did this yesterday with, with somebody that, that's helped me out a lot. It made her day, right? And somebody, people yeah. could be stuck in their work throughout the day. They're sitting in their home office, sometimes kitchen table, I know people that work from their bedroom, which I think is, is one of the worst things that you can do. Uh, but some people just don't have other options. Um, mm. But sending her that praise and then also her manager being notified and then either uh, her manager sending it up to the skip level manager, uh, it, it really made her day. So I think that's that's super important to uh, just to say thank you to somebody that has helped you out and then using praise in, in insights uh, soon, I think will be a great way to do it. And it goes, certainly goes a long way. It goes a long way to to be able to uh, kind of give someone that that pat on the back kind of thing, and especially when you don't see them around the office to just kind of just go, oh, that thing was really uh, important. Sorry, Megan, was yeah. there a point there from you as well? I was I was just going to say that actually, whilst we're saying this is really important, it's something that when I'm doing training um, with our clients, when you show them praise within Teams or praise within Yammer, it's something that people sort of brush over and think that actually that's probably not going to be really useful so it's something that I always remember to touch on when I'm doing the training and talk about the actual impact that it's going to have on the other person especially when it's on something like Yammer I mean we use it in computer world and whilst it's great for that person who's being praised to see that the rest of the business then comes together to give them that virtual pat on the back as well mm -hmm. that's why I also so like that's why I'm sorry but that's why I also like the gifies in chat and the live reactions in the meetings because yeah. it adds that that personal or personality uh, uh to a person within the meeting i use it all the time right so when i somebody says something great i like to clap it up virtually uh, uh by using that or where somebody says something that i love i like to click the heart button and it felt kind of tacky at first consumerish maybe is the right word uh but once i started using it it really added personality and, 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 and real moments to meetings. And I think that's important. It's, it's about that intention, isn't it? And it's about kind of spreading what is your culture, like using those features that you mentioned there, uh, Michelle. Uh, organizations need to go, look, we want to use these things. It might seem a very simple thing. It might seem very um, uh, social media-esque to give someone a clap or a heart mm -hmm. or something like that. But actually, when you are all virtual, when you are presenting to a quiet screen of people kind of thing, if someone sees the heart icon come up or the clap come up, it gives them a bit of a, oh, people are enjoying this. They're, they're, they're quiet because... I'm talking, but actually they are listening. They are there. And I think the same applies for Yammer. I've kind of got this rule that generally if I see something come on Yammer and, and maybe it's something I don't feel that I need to respond to, it is not that kind of message, I will always make sure I give it a thumbs up because then the person that's posted it will know that it's there. And uh, around intention, I think intention is something that is really important when it comes to organizational wide community and culture as well. 
I've, I've dealt with a lot of organizations over the last 12 months that have said to me, Barry, we'd really like to introduce Yammer, that more social bit, the kind of company-wide level of communication. And then they come back to me three months later saying, well, we need a bit of help. We've given it a go. We've enabled it. We've told people it's there, but people aren't really using it. Not much is going on. And from my perspective, I kind of treat it like a rocket. It needs fuel. A community, and I've been involved with communities since my teenage life kind of thing. You constantly got to fuel a community. You've got to give people a reason to go to Yammer, to get involved with Yammer. And if you're the comms director, if you're HR or a people person, if you're someone that is trying to grow a culture, um, grow a community, then you have to put the fuel into it and you have to regularly put that fuel into it. So to think how you're going to do that. I'd like to just move the conversation uh, on from community and culture then to, Michelle, something that you were speaking quite a lot about with our community champions uh, prior to the call, the, the meeting room, the new meetings uh, experience kind of thing. We It used to be we had a boardroom, maybe we had a bit of tech in it or we had meeting rooms, we had a bit of tech in it mm -hmm. during the last 12 months the meeting room has become teams and we all join teams we're now in this bit of a weird situation where are people going to be at home are they going to be in the office they're going to be on the road or the, what goes on there so what does the future of the meeting room look like from, from your and from microsoft's uh, opinion what needs to be thought about what needs to be included yeah so i think from a setup perspective we're so used to to meeting in in a square right so it's often that table and we all sit in the square we kind of look at each other uh, but now we're going to have a few people that are going to be in an office. Some people will be uh, at home and then other people might be somewhere else, maybe with a client or uh, maybe even at a, at a Starbucks or, or whatever. Um, uh, just got a little bit distracted there. I'm sorry. Um, uh, so I think we need to rethink the way that we've set up the uh, meeting room. So uh, one thing could be instead of having that square, set it up as an open circle. Right. So that now the setup is this. So I have my peers sitting next to me in the office, but then right in front of me, it's you guys that are in the uh, in the meeting. And I think if you look at the future, I think we'll have a big screen, whiteboard, whatever that might be. On the left-hand side, we'll have all the actions. So when Anthony says, uh, you know what, um, uh, I'll take care of that, uh, those sales figures uh, looking at it for, for next, next meeting, uh, you'll see it pop up saying, Anthony will take care of sales figures for next meeting. Right? And we can say, hey, Cortana, please help us schedule a follow-up meeting with just Barry and, and Megan to talk about marketing. Uh, Cortana will schedule that meeting for the, the three of us to talk about marketing. So I think that's going to happen. Uh, we don't have to write everything down anymore, especially with the live transcription uh, that's already in, uh, in Teams with these speaker attributions. So teams will recognize who is speaking. Even if you're all in the same room, teams will recognize the voice and know, hey, this is Michelle that's speaking and that is saying X, Y, and Z. Uh, we'll also have the chat there. We'll see the videos on the screen, but in kind of in a different way that we're seeing it now. Um, you might be able to compare it a bit to the together mode that we currently have in uh, in Teams. And then you'll see slides and an, and an interactive whiteboard. We can just scribble down or go back to those moments, which, which Anthony talked about earlier, about when you want to do this brainstorm. Uh, everybody will be looking at the same picture because I think that's something that we need to relearn from a culture mm -hmm. perspective is how do we make sure everybody stays engaged when some mm -hmm. people are in the office and others are just not. Definitely. I think it's just the, the, the future of what we're going to do with meetings. Obviously, Microsoft um, announced, it was, is it Mesh uh, that was uh, spoke about at uh, yeah, Ignite? VR. 
um, and, and the VR or AR capabilities that are coming. But um, the, the leaps and bounds that have happened in the last 12 months are absolutely amazing. And we're on the cusp of obviously the features you mentioned there being available, Michelle. But obviously from from from, from my side and, and not predicting futures, not anything that's been announced, but I can also see various different video solutions being included in solutions like Teams in the future. Yes. The ability for uh, your department to have a, a camera that is somewhere there that you want to have a chat, you can bring everyone together in the department by walking into a sort of corner of the office or something like a huddle space, but it's a more connected space. It isn't a, It isn't something you necessarily have to go, oh, let's book the meeting and go into the huddle space. It's somewhere you wander into and you know you can quickly and easily. It's, it's how do we move, remove some of the intention from it in the digital world? Um, we're starting to see um, uh, personal technologies be able to, to meet up. I forget the name. Is it the Microsoft Teams displays? I think Lenovo have got one. Yealink have got one. These yes. kind of dedicated devices that sit on there um, over my shoulder here. You've got the device like the Poly devices. It's, it's difficult to point your finger in the right direction. It is, right? Um, yes, that is it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you've got the kind of personal video bars. So so we've seen the big video bars that you see in uh, meeting rooms that are audio visual. But actually, if we're going to be working remotely, you need to take just as much care in how you are presented, how you are heard virtually, because this could be the big meeting. It could be talking to you, one of your biggest potential customers that are coming up there. And the last thing that you want is poor video or audio quality and things like that. So I can see that the need for, for meetings um, and, and the technology around that becomes even more important, but even more flexible. Yeah, so I, I love you what... Were, you were saying uh, earlier that you're wearing a pair of shorts at the moment. We're, we're completely unaware of that. However, you know... I can people, show you if you want you know, to. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> First impressions of anyone and any organization is always like it used to be how you dress. So when you walk through the uh, into reception, they're making judgments about your organization by the way you present yourself. And the new, you know, in this new environment, that is how good your video quality, how good your audio quality, that's how and how how well do you handle yourself in the meeting and how good are you at putting your presentation together and putting that across without uh, flicking them through all the, you know, the background slides and things like that. So that's how people are going to judge the quality of your organization is about how you present yourself online rather than how you present yourself physically. Does that mean when I go back to the office, I can wear slippers still? Because I don't know how I'll ever go back to the office and not have slippers on my feet. They're like part of me now, as is my dog, by the way. Yeah, I think it, I think that's that's an agreement that we just made just now, Megan. So I think you can. OK, <laughs> slippers in the office is now a thing. That's great. It sounds great to me. Yeah. But the, the it is weird, call... right? If you, if you think about it. If you think about it, people are at their best when they can be their whole self, right? And if yeah. you have to, I wouldn't say pretend, but I'll still use the word. If you would pretend, if you need to pretend to be somebody else or be less comfortable because you wear what you wear. I remember when I was younger, and I won't go too much into this, but when I was younger, I always told my dad, why are you always wearing a suit? I don't get it, right? Why are you wearing a suit? He said it's important because people have that just judge you based on the way you dress. I never got it. And then as I got older, I refused to wear suits. But at one point I had to start wearing suits. And I was like, this is just this is just wrong. I like what we're going through right now. I like going into the office in a in a in a t shirt or and and yes some jeans. And I love to wear sneakers. I stopped wearing uh, dress shoes. I just I always wear sneakers because that's me and that's how I'm most comfortable and I think that's when I'm at my best. Right, so and, and I hope that's something that we're taking from this time is that we can be more of our whole self when we go back into an office or into a meeting with a client. 
Definitely. Why are we putting a kind of uh, fancy dress outfit in to go and meet someone, to meet someone else's predetermined idea as to how I should look uh, yeah. for that? Well, well, I, I act, act as I can be in my best self. So I want to just do a... F Sorry, go on, uh, Michelle. No, so I just wanted to say, going back to the to the meetings and the devices that you spoke about earlier, I'm super impressed with the work that, that companies such as Poly and, and Logitech and Jabra and, and I'm forgetting a few, uh, HP uh, are doing... Uh, to create these team certified devices, right? Both the uh, the device that you see, uh, that you can't see, but the the devices that you and I have here in the office, uh, Barry, uh, but also the uh, headsets. I love the uh, team certified headsets that have the dedicated Teams uh, uh, Teams button on it. Uh, it's just a better experience. I do think that the when it comes to making a decision on what to buy, especially for the rooms, usually you could just say, okay, this is the solution that you buy. Uh, now you need to think about how many people are going to be in the room, uh, uh, how many speakers would I need, what's, what kind of video would I need, will the collaboration bar be sufficient? Uh, yes, it will be for that small, uh, that, that small uh, room, but it will be less efficient for a larger room. So I think, and, and that's what I like about the, the solutions that are now coming to market, is it's such a broad scope that kind of fits all the, the different needs that people now have. Definitely. It's all about that choice and that flexibility, isn't it, that, yeah. that we need to be able to deliver these things. So we've got a final five to ten minutes uh, here before I think we need to wrap up. So I want to I pivot one final time around the future of work. And uh, Michelle, I'll come to you first. Um, Organisations have got a big journey to continue to go on to deliver the future of work in the ideal way. They, they've been on a big journey over the last 12 months and, and have reacted to what has happened. Um, how do we... Um, or who within inside an organization needs to be involved in these discussions around future of work and what kind of things should they be considering before they even start picking apart the, the features and functionalities they have inside 365? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it, to start with that last part, it's not so much about the features. I mean, the, the life reactions in Teams meeting means nothing if it's not built around an experience. And I think that's what I like about what you guys are doing and the stories that you're telling. It's about creating experiences out of those features. Now, when it comes to driving change, I think it has to start all the way up in the uh, up in the chain where the business leaders need to set that example and need to uh, uh, communicate properly on how they want to what they expect of the company to be from a culture perspective. Going back to what we said earlier with Sacha, when he came on board seven years ago, I felt that shift in the in the even in the six or seven months going onwards. And mind you, I'm not in Redmond; I'm in the Netherlands which is a small country. I'm one of the, I like to call them minions, right? So I'm one of the, the people in the field, uh, but I could feel that culture change as it was driven uh, all the way from the top, Sacha and his team, when we spoke about things such as growth mindset and flexibility, et cetera. Uh, so it has to start all the way at the top. I think we need to take well care of the people managers because they're struggling the most but they are one of the key people when it comes to driving change in an organization so you need to make sure that they're part of the change earlier and then always have an executive sponsor and that executive sponsor has to be present at the at the more important meetings to make sure that that people continue to drive that change and see the importance of it but it definitely has to start all the way at the uh, at the top and then come down towards the uh, the minions as i like to call them so that's interesting to, to hear that. But I know I don't want to put you on the spot, but give us just one kind of practical example of how you felt that culture 
coming down from the top and what changed and you know what changed your attitude to that the, the, the thing is you put me on the spot so I'm trying I to I did put you on the spot yeah. Yeah, that's fine <laughs> and I like that a lot actually uh, but I'm trying to phrase it in a good way um, when when Microsoft Corp used to come to the Netherlands to do the reviews right it would be a lot around what is it that you're doing and and how come you're not able to fix these few things right and i think yeah. for that period in time it worked really well but it took a lot of preparation for us uh, and i'm not sure if it really got the value if everybody got the value out of those meetings such as said we need to be more a learn it all than a know it all uh company mm. And uh, and and we need to have that growth mindset. So we so we're allowed to make mistakes and try new things because in the end that drives innovation. Now, if corpse come comes over to the Netherlands, it's not about so what have you done and how come you can or cannot execute. It's saying oh we're seeing that you're doing this really well. What can we take from this, and then and then learn from it, and then copy it in other countries. Or hey, we see you're struggling here. That's fine. In, in the UK or in France or wherever, in Brazil, they found a solution for this. This is how they're doing it, right? And that started with, with, with Satya's mindset around, around uh, uh, the growth mindset and, and, and being able to, to make mistakes and that learn-it-all culture. Uh, uh, and that came all the way down to his leadership team, then all the way down to the leadership team be, uh, below that, and then mm -hmm. all the way down to, uh, down to us. So I think that's one of the examples that was set by Satya and that we, we could feel um, uh, in the field in, in our local subsidiaries. Yeah, brilliant, thank you. I'm, um, I'm having some really insightful and wonderful conversation at the moment. And I think one thing that this whole period has done is meant that the whole C-level are interested in this conversation. Previously, if you work in as a technology company, you may have got to speak to the IT manager, the CIO, whatever that is going to be. The majority of my organizations today are with IT, but other C-level people inside the organization. And I'm seeing this kind of coming together of the comms team, uh, the HR or people team, um, even the marketing team, um, along with other key people, operations and uh, IT, that have a real desire, a real uh, passion to deliver change inside their organizations. And um, I think it's great that people like comms and marketing are involved there. Ultimately, this co how we're communicating and the culture it's really important from a comms perspective, but from a marketing perspective, maybe we need to turn some of that skill that we use typically externally. How can I grab an external person's uh, attention to our business, our products, our services? It's actually, how do I turn the attention of someone inside the organization to the possibilities and how they can gauge and how they can um, uh, talk to uh, other people inside the business? So I'm, I'm kind of, IT is becoming more driven by the departments, by the needs of the users. Um, and I think if you are an IT manager and you are listening to this, I'd use this as the point, as the pivot point to go, actually, how can I best connect with those people inside the organization? You will see that the impact that you have will be magnitudes more than just trying to drive a Microsoft 365 or a flexible working or a digital strategy yourself. It is so much fuller with those other pieces. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. Just spot on, just yeah. spot on. And, and and I think it's again it's about turning features into experiences, and I think that's a big opportunity now for IT. What I'm liking as well is is and I know we don't have enough time for this, but the the, the citizen developers. So mm -hmm. people now the minions 
are starting to come up with things to do things more productive. And since we see a more uh, uh, learn-it-all culture and this grown mindset, uh, people are starting to come up with their own new ideas. So if you empower people to be the best version of themselves, they'll come up with things that you can then use uh, uh, broader in the organization. So I use a tool called uh, Scheduler. It used to be called Calendar.help. It's still in preview. Uh, it's going to be released soon. What that does, it takes full control of my calendar. So I don't schedule meetings anymore. Right, so if I need to have a, a meeting with you, Barry, I send you the email and I say, "Hey, Cort and, and I add Cortana on CC and say, Cortana, please help me schedule 25 meetings with Barry and add a Teams link. Cortana will take care of that for me. That saves me 75 minutes a week. That's a lot of time. I now am bringing this tool to other people in my org and now we're all saving time, right? And then, and then IT is jumping on saying, hey, so what's going on here? Well, it's actually something that's already in the features but we made it an experience. So that's what I like about it as well. It's not just IT controlling it, uh, uh, but it's also the minions that are coming up with new ways uh, to, uh, to, do, to do work better and more efficient. Definitely. No, I think it's been a really, really good conversation. And to be honest with you, I think we could probably go on for another hour or two mm. uh, if, if we're honest. But a uh, really enjoyable conversation. I think uh, we're, we're at a place now where uh, we have the opportunity to do something really different, really special. We should avoid just trying to pull people back into our offices to the old way of working simply because it's now possible. We've got to use this as a springboard for the future. Michelle, thank you ever so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a great pleasure for you to join us and uh, I hope uh, at some point in the future we can get you to join us again. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks again for for having me. Thanks for the opportunity. I love the things that you, that you guys are doing. Uh, I think you're really helping and enabling uh, our, our customers, yours and ours. Uh, to get the most out of uh, technology. So uh, uh, thanks so much. And if we ever need to do this again, I'm all in. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you ever so much, everyone. Uh, remember to check out defindtomorrow.co.uk and adopt365.co.uk. You can find us all on LinkedIn and uh, watch around next month for the next Adopt365 podcast. Thanks for listening.